When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben Bowling here with our one and only Auto Channel editor, Scott Benjamin. Scott, what's going on today? Wow, well, just kind of hanging out and uh, ready to talk about cars with you. What's going on? I am glad you were ready to talk about cars, <laughs> my friend. Uh, so am I. I've actually got uh, some specific questions here. Uh, we've got an article on the website, the top 10 everyday car technologies that came from racing. Are you familiar with this one, Scott? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, it's a good article. Now, I, I thought so, too, and, and I wanted to kind of go in depth with you about this. One of the first questions that I asked when I, when I read this was, uh, how much money is spent on racing, would you say? Maybe... Oh, my. That's a, uh, probably an impossible question to answer, but it would be in hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, easy, if, if it doesn't touch a billion dollars. I mean, it really does get up there high. It's even every manufacturer just blows piles of money on racing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was. See, that's what I was thinking because with the for these inventions to have to come from racing, there has to be a lot of money spent. And in some ways, it, it could almost be like research and development, right? Oh, it's definitely research and development. Oh, yeah? It's like it's a, it's like accelerated research and development. It's it's uh, it's an intense environment, really. I mean, you you know all about racing. I mean, it's it's very very hard on cars. So um, you know, if they want to test something, develop something. Uh, better be right the first time. So, you know, <laughs> right. some, somebody's life's at stake in, in that case, you know. Right, quite literally. Yeah. Now, uh, with with that in mind, then, uh, I like what you said about accelerated uh, research and design here. Mm-hmm. All, all puns aside, mm-hmm. I just got that now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, would would these kind of innovations uh, that have, would they have eventually been invented without the benefit of racing? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give you an I don't know on that one, but yeah. um, it, it's just too tough to say, but chances are they would have it just would have been much slower um you kind of look at the development time of racing and it's so quick it's because they're not forced to but in a way they are forced to create something that that meets the need the immediate need that they have on the track uh so you know they need a way to slow this car down from 150 to zero 
uh, you know, much quicker like, than it was. Yeah, exactly. Much quicker than it was mm-hmm. ever before. How are they going to do it? You know, that's that's when they you know came out with disc brakes. Um, they you know need a way to cram more air into an engine. They they find a way to do it that way okay. um, through racing. So um, it's it's like I said, it's just an accelerated uh, pathway. I guess it's you know they, they, it's forcing them to create something or to forcing them to develop sure. uh, new technology. Like that like that old quote. Uh, how does it go? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, something I guess like that, yeah. something like that. Racing, right? racing perfects the breed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I guess the the stakes are a little bit higher. In an F1 than they are in a, a Corolla. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's slightly. Right. <laughs> slightly, but you know, you'd be surprised how much of that, you know, technology. Maybe not directly from F1 to that Corolla, but mm. you'd be surprised how much of that technology from race racing in the past has actually made its way into, let's say, a Corolla. You know, or, what? yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was I was surprised, and uh, more than a few times checking this out, and I. I wanted to ask a couple of questions about some of the specifics here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without without going through everything on the article, because mm-hmm. uh, pretty in depth. I wanted to know uh, car suspension is one of the things that they mentioned, and and I know that they already had manufacturers already had some sort of suspension system, right? Of course, yeah. Even uh, even horse and buggies had uh, some type of suspension. It was, you know, like a leather strap or something like that, but they had something or it's bent metal, you know, made into kind of a rough spring. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, it was it was there, you know, from that point forward. So there, there was something there. It was very rough and, you know, it wasn't really fine-tuned until racing came about. And then people started saying, well, there's got to be a way for me to get around this track a little better, a little faster, a little, uh, a little easier. It had nothing to do with comfort. Uh, comfort has no place really in racing. <laughs> right. So I mean, you can imagine, you know, there's not much suspension travel in, uh, you know, like, let's say an F1 car or uh, you know even, I guess stock cars. Uh, what they're all about really is they're all about tuning. They're all about um, you know, specifically getting that vehicle to do what they want it to do. If, and if that's turn left, they want it to turn left really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they may not care about turning right on a, on a track <laughs> okay, where they only have right. to turn left. So um, they're they're concerned more with straight line and left turns. And, uh, you know, an F1 and IndyCar where, you know, the, uh, the suspensions are really open. You know, you see these the, the arms kind of that go out to the different we- to the wheels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, those compo- that's part of the suspension you're looking at right there. Oh. And uh, they've even developed those pieces to be aerodynamic. So, you know, they're constantly just fine-tuning all of this so that, uh, you know, it's, it's a perfect suspension really for that vehicle. Um, okay, so is the difference then, I guess, the one of sophistication and one of customization? Uh, yeah, point? I guess that's probably a good way to look at it. I mean, but they're very, very, they're all very custom. Mm-hmm. Um, every every race car has an extremely custom suspension setup. I mean, that's they pay somebody to do just that uh, to set up the suspension for the vehicle. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, so it's it's definitely custom. That there's sounds no, like no a niche it, job, yeah. right there. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And you know, some of the uh, some of the advancements that were made on the track, they figured out a way that you know they could, um, I guess, make that marketable or make that you know something that you could put into a. Uh, um, a streetcar, and somebody would say, "Hey, yeah, I'd like that because you know that gives me the ability to adjust this the way I want to, and give me the ride that I want." Now, streetcars have a little bit more, you know, comfort concern. You don't want right, right. you don't want a rough riding car like that. Now, some people, you know, they don't mind that, but and some people um, want to turn right. Yeah, that's right. Some people occasionally want to turn right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Right. So, uh, another another one that I saw there that 
that struck me kind of in the same way was I read about engine air intake, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I wanted to know what made this different in racing because I understood that the auto manufacturers or even just standard uh, internal combustion engine makers already knew that engines needed air. Well, absolutely, Ben. What, uh, what manufacturers found or what, you know, engine makers found, uh, of course, they knew that, you know, engines needed air. They needed a lot of air uh, to run. And um, in racing, of course, under the hood, it gets very, very hot very, very quickly. And um, up until that point, you know, the, most of the air intake was coming through there. It was coming, you know, through the, the front of the car, maybe through a grill, something like that. You know, it was pretty okay. relatively warm air underneath the hood. And that um, was hurting their horsepower. So they found out that, you know, if they somehow get cool air to be kind of forced into that engine, you know, so in some way. And that's why you see some of these scoops on top of the car, on top of uh, the hood. Oh, the things that, that kind of go up yeah, over the... Uh, that's right. And uh, sometimes they're down low and sometimes they're on the sides. And, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in different places. If you have a mid-engine car, a rear-engine car, uh, the intake may be on the roof of the car, you know, where, where it allows it to come, you know, over the top and down into the engine. I've seen or those. maybe even the sides, like, you know, maybe near the wheels, mm -hmm. um, the rear wheels. So... They found out quickly that you know the cooler the air, the 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 better the horsepower was, the faster the car would run. You know, it was just it was just better for the engine. Okay, all right. Well, what's so that's something. What, what's interesting about that is those scoops that that you're talking about here could be seen on a lot of, as we said, mass-produced cars now. Yeah, right? that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them, though, you got to be kind of cautious about that. Some of them are just decorative. Some, Some of them are purely cosmetic. Most of them really are. Most yeah, of them. Yeah, there's there are very few that are really functional. Um, oh, you know, the functional, man. yeah, the functional ones work really well, and you know they're designed to do that. But um, a lot of them are just you know for, for just for looks, really. Well, still, I guess that still counts as an at least the illusion of an innovation from racing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that you can see just on the body of the car, I think what got me, and I'm pretty sure that you'll know what I'm talking about specifically here. What got me, uh, there are a couple things I look on cars, and I just think these should have always been there. Mm -hmm. But uh, there, there, what else is there? That well, you could just look at a car and it actually came from racing. Well, actually, you could just probably look at the shape of the car and, and find that, you know, that probably in some way comes from racing. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the cars, you know, I don't know, I guess you can go all the way back to, you know, the, the turn of the century, the, the night, you know, the, uh, or the 20th century, I should say. <laughs> uh, you know, the cars were very flat on the front. They were uh, yeah. very boxy. Uh, really, they look like, well, like, like horse carriages, you know, with engines. Mm -hmm. And there's a good reason for that. Because <laughs> uh, that's what they that's, were. That's huh? exactly right. Yeah. But, um, you know, as time went on, you know, and as racing kind of kind of found out, you know, they, they made these streamline racers. And, you know, you, you notice that streamline shapes tend to do better on, uh, yes. you know, let's just say, for aerodynamics, mileage, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You see that in a lot of cars now, and you just, you don't even think about it. It's just kind of like, uh, you know the shape you take for granted. It's not real boxy. Mm -hmm. um, it's not real flat. Everything has kind of got a uh, you know a, a point to it, or maybe a rounded edge to it. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for all that. I think that makes sense. I was uh, I was also really surprised in uh, in the article. It mentions the advent of uh, mirrors, rear view mirrors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mirrors. Um, those came from racing. Yeah, they did. Uh, a rear view mirror did, and. It's, I guess it's not official. It's kind of unofficial because, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, someone said this or, you know, it was documented at the time that this happened. But uh, the very first Indianapolis 500, uh, the, in fact, the winner of the race, Ray Haroon, he used a uh, rearview mirror for possibly the first time it was ever attached to a vehicle uh, or anybody ever saw <laughs> a rearview mirror attached to a vehicle. And the reason was because he couldn't find a riding mechanic to ride with him during the race. 
So he, saw, you know, he had this. It was kind of a workaround in his case. He, he yeah. said, "Well, I, I've got to have some way to look behind me during the race because normally that was the job of the riding mechanic." So he, you know, attached this mirror to uh, to his dash. Now, hang on a second. Yeah. It was the riding mechanic. I'm sorry to interrupt. The riding mechanic just sat with the driver. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, just, his job was to turn around. Way back in the day. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, <laughs> the riding mechanic would would watch traffic for the driver as well, and uh, you know, of course fixed the uh, odd flat that happened on the track, you know, if they were oh, on the okay. other side or something. So he did more than just act as the Yeah, human. he was truly a mechanic. He really was a mechanic, okay. but he was also, um, I guess, an acting spotter. Wow, yeah, okay. So. That's, so it, it just seemed like such a forehead smack yeah. moment to me, yeah. you know, to be someone making or mass-producing cars and then say, oh, some way they can look behind yeah, themselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was never really thought of before that. And, uh, the, you know, he didn't get credit for inventing it or anything. You know, that, mm-hmm. that happened later. Uh, I think it was three or four years later that someone actually got credit for putting them on street use vehicles. Okay. this is a race car we're talking about. Right, right. And, uh, you know, he probably just did it right in the pits the day of the race or something like that. Kind of improvised. Um, but he did, he admitted later, uh, the driver did admit later that he had seen it used on a, on a horse and carriage. Uh, some years prior to that, so it was somebody else's idea. This is the first time it was on or ever really seen on a on a racing vehicle, and then you know <laughs> three or four years later, yeah. it finally took off on production vehicles. Well, what do you think is the most important technology that's come from racing? Uh, without a doubt, safety. Safety. Yeah, that's right. And you know our our, our article will back that up. It's safety, and I, I I really stand behind that. I think that's that's uh, something that's on the top of everybody's mind when they're in racing. Um, you know, the, some cars are going 240, 220, you know, 200 miles an hour, whatever it is. Um, you want to be safe. Uh, you want your person, you know, the person that's occupying that car to be safe. And, you know, so they're, they're completely surrounded by roll, roll bars and roll cages. And uh, they've got safety devices, you know, the straps that hold their, you know, head. Mm-hmm. So that it's called the Hans device, holds their head mm-hmm. kind of back so it doesn't snap forward. Um it's just a variety of, of safety devices that are yeah. in cars. I, you know what, now you mentioned, I remember seeing that mm-hmm. as uh, as the number one entry. And if some of our listeners might recall from an earlier uh, podcast, we mentioned that uh, Blink can cost you, what was that, more than 35 feet? That was something like that. Yeah, I something think it was 37 like, feet, I think was what yeah, it was okay. at the time. Yeah. You're the that's, expert. Uh, it's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. That's it, pretty fast. So yeah, I can no, see that. But, re- but really, safety is the, is the big deal. And honestly the technology that comes from the track does get, make it into the cars you, you don't see it it's covered by the dash and you know the uh maybe the carpet in the car or you have you know maybe comfier padded seats but you know it's all there they've just you know c- kind of covered it up so that you know it's not uh so if you look at the the interior of a race car it looks very raw it looks very open uh you know it's not very finished of course when you buy a car you want it to be very uh very clean very nicely you know the interior is a big deal to a lot of people and oh, yeah. you're going to spend a lot of time in there uh but it is safe it's it's just covered up that's all oh okay yeah so other things like uh, i guess crumple zones would that be a good example oh crumple zones yeah crumple zones came from racing as well um Mm. you know they they, i don't know if they're directly from that or not but uh Mm. you know that plays a big part in racing because you know what else are you going to have to protect yourself from uh you know this wall that's coming at you at 180 miles an hour you need some space between you and that wall well you've got your car and you don't want it to be totally rigid you want it to crumple uh, so, you know, you'll find that the, a lot of the cars will just... Have you ever seen the, the wrecks on TV where, you know, the car just seems to blow apart? There's just nothing Yes, left. Okay, yes. Yeah, and you think there's no way that that guy or, or girl is going to live through that wreck. Right. Okay, the, that is probably 
that's a good example of a crumple zone or um, you know th- this this force this energy being drawn away from the uh, the person inside really uh-huh. the car is ex- accepting all of that all of that energy it's it's blowing itself apart in order to save the occupant um, the crumple zones are you know like this this area let's say it's like um, in between the you know the front windshield the, the easiest way to say it would be if you see a car that's been in a, in a front end wreck uh, the front end might collapse totally, right, all the way up to where the uh, the windshield is, but nothing full. beyond that. Yeah, that gives that that kind of absorbs a lot of that energy, so that you know the, the driver doesn't accept the full brunt, you know, the, the full force of that wreck. Okay, because it sounds like these innovations mainly uh, are are designed for survival rather than comfort or amenity. That's right. You can't you you just cannot be going you know 200 miles an hour, come to a dead stop, and expect to live. Uh, you have to slow down. You have to slow that down. There's just no other way to do it. You have to. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming by and uh, filling us in on this. I, I had no idea that so many things in, you know, even even a little hatchback like mine mm-hmm. actually are descended from these uh, these racing technologies. Oh, yeah, they're really intertwined. Yeah, okay, I guess uh, we should also let our listeners know that if they want to find out anything else about uh, race cars or racing or cars in general, they can check out our auto channel on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.